needing God more. It's true. I, I'm hearing that line and it says, I never want to go back to my old life. I don't want to go back to the way I used to live and the, the, the things I used to do. I'm, I'm excited for the things of God and the things that the Lord has for me. The Bible is clear that, that he has prepared good works for you and I to walk in. So every day that you're given breath of life, today you woke up this morning, there, there's, a, there's a fresh new work for you and I to walk in. May we never say, I'm bored. I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, there, there's so much for us to do. And, and as we were talking about uh, this morning in prayer, um, you know, we just need to focus on our sphere of influence. Who, who can you touch for Christ that's around you today. You know, the Lord's not necessarily calling us to, to, to go and evan- evangelize this, this whole world and this whole country, but in your sphere of influence, where are people that desperately need Christ? And uh, that's what we need to respond to. Amen. Those who have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit has to say. Uh, this morning we'll be in Obadiah chapter 1. We'll be going through verses 5 down through 9. Um, if you can, go ahead and uh, turn in your Bibles uh, to that address. And then once you get there, we'll go ahead and stand for uh, the reading of God's Word. Once again, uh, Obadiah chapter 1, verses 5 down through 9. And this message uh, is a continuation of last week. We had a church in the park. It was a great time. Uh, Edom will be humbled, part 2. I'll go ahead and start in reading in verse 5. And it says, If thieves come to you, if plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed, would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleaning? How Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. All your allies have been driven You to the border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau? And your mighty men shall be dismayed. God bless you. O Timon. So that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, that is a, that's a prophetic word that came true. It's came to pass. And Lord, um, your holiness is no joke. It's nothing to play around with. Father, you will render every judgment true of what you've called. And so Father, as, as we look to learn from your word this morning and find where Christ is and, and, and how this word is applicable to our lives this morning. Would you give us your anointing fresh? Uh, may your Holy Spirit fill us uh, with you so that we may be able to rightly divide your word. May you put a holy fear in our hearts that we may not sin against you. May we be wise enough to learn from these pages of scripture or this portion so that we would not follow the path of Edom and be another people who just continually rebel against you and think that we won't face your judgment there's reward for being obedient 
but there's judgment for being disobedient. So, Father, now would you do what only you can do and speak to the hearts of men and women and do a mighty work in and through us. Father God, we thank you and all glory and praise belongs to your son alone, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. You may be seated. Uh, so last week, uh, we, we started the first portion of this message. We looked at the first four verses, and those verses focused on the lack of vision that the, the, the nation of Edom possessed, meaning spiritual vision. They had, they had no insight. They had no understanding of, of spiritual things. The spiritual things that they did uh, think they thought they understood, it, it, it was dark. It was darkened. It, it wasn't of the light. It wasn't of Christ. It wasn't uh, of the Messiah. It was, it was of worldliness. It was of themselves. Ultimately, they, they, they would perish as a people group because they had no holy fear of God. There was no fear. They just did as they desired in their hearts. They did as they saw fit by man's own understanding. And we know the Bible tells us clearly that will lead to utter ruin. All restraint was cast off on their minds. And when, when all restraint is lost from your mind, uh, your mind will conceive the most diabolical of things. Uh, you know, mental health, that's a big thing in our culture, in our day and age. And, and I understand, you know, some people, uh, you know, desperately have a, 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 a physical health or a mental health condition. But for those that have just allowed unclean things into their minds, that's the reason why they have an ill mind. The Bible is clear that uh, Christ alone will give us a sound mind and a pure heart. The, the Edomites, they, they, they thought, again, the thinking, the battlefield of our, of our, of our minds, that's the, that's the core of what's going on. If our minds aren't right, we're not going to think properly. We won't have vision. They operated in darkness because their thoughts were not correct. But we were encouraged last week that no matter where you find yourself as a true follower of Jesus Christ, that God the Father the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, the Son, they, He will fight your battles for you. He will go before you in everything that goes on in your life. All you have to do is be still and trust in Him. Not meaning be still and do absolutely nothing on your part as far as obedience, but be still in the sense of we don't have to take vengeance for ourselves, that the Lord will right every wrong done to you in His perfect time. And while the Lord may choose to use human beings, people as his means to communicate his judgment of unrighteousness, that's what's going on here with Obadiah. He's being used as the mouthpiece of God to these unrepented sinners. It is God alone who executes judgment, not the person, not the man. It is, it is the creator of all human life that renders judgment according to his will and to his, his purposes and to what each person has uh, reaped in their life or sown in their life i should say they reap either a blessing or 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 judgment lastly we were reminded that jesus alone he has the last word father god has the last word on everything so wherever you are today maybe you're not in the best of circumstances maybe you're in a dire situation right now and you don't know how you're going to get out of this let me ask you a question do you believe that God has the final word on your specific situation. Do you believe that? 
If you believe that God has the final word, then rejoice and rejoice in the fact that you know that your God has it all under control. Amen. Yes, amen. This, uh, this leads us to part two of our message. And this is basically explaining how this righteous judgment of the Lord was going to be played out against Edom, how it was going to actually be carried out. So we have several main points uh, for us to focus on this morning. And again, uh, you know, led by the Holy Spirit, allow the Lord to show you where Christ is in all this. Because in every page of Scripture, in every uh, circumstance in Scripture, we can see the Lord. We can see Jesus on every page. So the first main point is this. Judgment by God or judgment from God is far more devastating than judgment by men. And this principle can be found all throughout Scripture. For instance, look at Psalm chapter 105, verse 5. It says, His ways are always prospering. Speaking of the Lord, your judgments are far above, out of His sight. As for all His enemies, He sneers at them. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 11 tells us, I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. That's a word of encouragement for us today. You know, if you're looking at situations in society, circumstances that seem out of control, people that are just putting themselves on a pedestal and parading themselves in in such a pompous fashion. The Bible just said it's clear that he will punish the world of its evil, the wicked for their iniquity. He will lay them low. Verse 5 in in, in the portion of Scripture where we're at, it tells us, If thieves come to you, if plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed. Would they not... Steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? You see, God speaks here through Obadiah, emphasizing the difference between the judgment that Edom would face if they had just been purely robbers, but because they were blasphemous in their ways and they had no 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 concept, their their consciences have been sne- uh, seared. That now they they have they face a far uh, stricter judgment because of just their 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 blasphemous attitude, their their backbiting ways against the Lord. You see, thieves and robbers typically take only the most valuable of items, and then they'll they'll leave the lesser uh, valuables behind. We were watching, uh, gosh, we were watching an old movie yesterday. Was it Baby's Day Out? You guys remember that? It's an old Disney movie from like '94. I don't know. I can't remember the main. The main uh, actors or whatever. My daughter had never seen it before, but uh, basically the whole plot is a super rich family, tycoon family. There's a baby. They, they have a baby boy, and they, wanna, they want the, the mother wants the baby boy's picture to go in the paper because all their other friends, their babies are in the paper and, you know, whatever. Their baby's son's not, picture's not in there. So she hires a different company that the family Cogwell is the last name. The Cogwells typically have... A certain photographer for, you know, whatever, decades. And uh, the, the wife says, we're going to hire this downtown baby photo company. So anyways, long story short, that company, the baby company, gets hijacked <laughs> by these robbers. And so they, they go in disguise. They show up at the mansion. They're going to, you know, their whole thing is they're going to snatch the baby, take the baby, and then, you know, ransom him for $5 million by midnight that night. 
Well, in the process of them setting up in this big room or whatever, it's one of the guys, he sees this, um, I don't know what it is. It's like a snowball or something. It's something small. It's insignificant. And he picks it up and he looks at it and he looks at his boss and he's like, you know, can I put it in my pocket? <laughs> and then the boss says, hey, man, we're here for the hit of a lifetime. <laughs> if you want to be a shoplifter, go to J.C. Penney's. <laughs> and so I just I just it's a corny illustration, but it speaks again to this whole point that the Bible says, you know, thieves typically, they take what's most valuable <laughs> and they leave the petty things behind. This is not what Edom did. <laughs> they, 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 they ransacked in, 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 their, in their blasphemous attitude, in their blasphemous lifetime, and in, in their pride of, of thinking that they were greater than God himself. Because again, remember, we talk, the, the scripture talked about they, they prided themselves with their city being etched in the cleft of the rocks. And so because they had such pride, Edom's destruction would be more complete than just mere men who steal. The idea here is that nothing would be left once God was done judging this nation. Nothing at all. Not a rock standing because of their flat out blasphemous attitude towards Yahweh. That's our first main point, is that God's judgment is far greater than the judgment of man. The second main point is this. Military might, no matter how great, are of no avail once God's hand turns against a nation. We see that nowadays. Everybody's all about nuclear weapons. And I, can, I, got, the, I got the most. <laughs> and I stockpiled and I can just... Press one red button and I can annihilate this whole place. But remember, God Almighty has the last word. I don't care if it's somewhere in the Middle East. I don't care if it's our country. I don't care if it's North Korea. The bottom line is the Lord God Almighty has the last word, not mere men that are made of dirt. Edom would eventually be plundered. Not only would their hidden treasures be sought after, but they would be found. Remember, that whole cleft of the rock, that was their, that was their premise of their pride. We're, we are strong and mighty because we are hidden in the cleft of the rock. Deceit and deception play a central role in Edom's destruction. You see, they had many diplomats from surrounding nations, and they had friendly relations with these people groups. But these same diplomats would, in fact, work against them. Those who they thought they could trust were actually the ones laying a trap for their demise. Pride and deception of Edom was used by God to ensure that the plot of theirs, of their false allies, would not go uh, detected. And this is what led to their downfall. They, they were basically consumed from all these people groups that they thought, oh yeah, we're good with you. We're good with you on this front. We're good with you guys on this front. But it all came crashing down. This again was the judgment of God upon them for unrepented pride. The fact that they had the opportunity to repent, but they decided in their hearts, I need not repent of nothing. Church, may we never find ourselves in that place. May we never grow to a place of such arrogance that we think that repentance is below us, that you and I don't need to repent. Repentance is a lifestyle. And repentance helps us draw closer to the Lord. If we feel 
that we have nothing to repent of, we are the very people that need to fall on our face right now and repent. The third main point is this. Wisdom becomes foolishness and vision perishes as God undermines a nation from within. Notice that it's the Lord's doing of all these things. See, see, many times we think it's that person or it's this country or it's this people group. No, it's the Lord that's orchestrating all of these things to take place. He's the master behind the puzzle. He's the one moving pieces of the puzzle. And he's the one that's going to have a finished product that's going to result in glorification of him and the punishment of those who refuse to repent. We are reminded here that Edom is not the first people group or nation to fall. Once again, all throughout Scripture, all you have to do is uh, look. (laughs) And you'll find plenty of examples of nations that have crumbled away from within. They've crumbled because of unrepentance. They've crumbled because of pride, of selfishness, of of greed, of, of, of not wanting to care and love their neighbor as their self. God chose Israel to be the nation that he would show and expose the truth of his ways to the world. And those who would embrace Israel would be embraced by the Lord. And those who have rejected Israel would be, would be judged by God for their wayward lifestyles. You see, because moral and spiritual rot If there is moral and spiritual rot within a nation, that nation will not be sustained long term. We know that that's in every human heart. But again, we as as individuals have an opportunity to be made right from that. But we have to turn from our ways and trust in the Lord. This is a true biblical principle. Galatians chapter 6 verse 8 tells us, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. There's no benefit in sowing to the flesh. When we sow to the flesh, when when that's our motto, when that's our MO, the Bible says we will reap corruption. The, The caveat is many people think it's not true because they haven't reaped it yet. They're enjoying a season of sin. Sin is enjoyable. That's why people do it. (laughs) If sin wasn't enjoyable, nobody would sin. It was enjoyable for Eve to take a bite of that fruit and offer it to her husband. But but the payoff wasn't until later on. (laughs) And the payoff, you can't pay up. I can't pay up. I can't pay what's required. (coughs) And so that's why we need to sow to the Spirit. And I think for, for some of us as followers of Christ, this is where we, we get weary because we haven't necessarily seen the payoff because the payoff is eternal life is what the Bible says. If you're, you're not dead yet, I know eternal life starts when you're saved. And unless we are well in tune with our spiritual antennas up and we're walking closely with the Holy Spirit moment by moment, day by day, many times we miss out on the, the miracle of many blessings that we're blessed with all throughout every day of our lives. Because if we were really in tune, then we would be rejoicing 
<laughs> with thanksgiving, not waiting until we die and go to heaven, but we would rejoice now with a sound mind and a pure heart. But I think for many believers, we get discouraged because we don't see it tangibly in this world. But we're not necessarily supposed to because it's an eternal blessing that we receive when we sow to the flesh. Here are the examples, a few of them. Sodom and Gomorrah, Assyria, the Hittites, the Moabites, the Philistines, and Babylon, all are examples of nations that were destroyed from turning their backs on God's principles for being continually evil before the Lord. Continually. I'm not talking about a couple months. I'm not talking about a couple weeks. I'm not talking about a couple years. I'm talking about with the with a mentality that says there is no God. I am my own God. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care for whatever the principles of the Bible stand for. I don't care who Father God says he is because that's what we have to understand too. We're reconciled back to him. It's all about being reconciled to Father God through Jesus Christ. They say no to that. It's that sort of mentality that has destroyed these nations. You see, Father God gives us His laws for our own good. He created us to have fellowship with Him and to walk in righteousness. When we do that, we are living within the healthy boundaries He established and are protected from such heartache and catastrophes that Satan is always devising for us. But you see, when a nation turns away from the true and living God, and becomes its own God. The Lord removes His protective hand and allows that nation to experience the world that it has demanded. It, it sickens my heart that, that I'm even alive in a day and age. I shouldn't, because I should be grateful that the Lord has me alive in this wonderful time. But I just never thought, you know, I was so naive as a young child and even as a young adult. I took for granted uh, the fact that our, our court system you know, regarded the Ten Commandments as something important, that they would have it up. And, and, and we say, no, we don't want that. And then we say, we, we don't want God in schools. I have an older gentleman. I think he might be in his, in his late 60s. He, he, you know, I, I work with him. He said, you know, Keeping, when I, was in, when I was in grade school, we actually had chapel. We actually had chapel before we started class. Now, now you can't even men, you mention that to some of these younger children. They have no. They it's like they don't even know. My 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 son goes to a public school, elementary school. They don't know the Pledge of Allegiance. We're taking God out of the schools. No more Pledge of Allegiance. You're taking God out of Pledge of Allegiance. Take the Pledge of Allegiance out entirely. And we see these things going on in our own culture, and it's so sad. But but and this is the truth. This is when when a nation turns from the living God. The Lord slowly, slowly. Ah, this is my personal belief. You don't have to agree with it. But I, I believe the Lord has shown me over time that the cat's out the bag in regards to America. Will this country be saved as a whole? I, I don't know what saved as a whole mean because, because revival to me is not necessarily, and, and, and singing is great, and we love that. We love worship and song and praise. But what I'm understanding is revival is when you know, people that are, are, are fortune tellers, they give that up. People that are drug dealers, they give that up. People that are tax evaders, they give that up. People that are alcoholics, they give that up. What I'm saying is I truly believe that pockets of people, individuals, individual groups, individual communities 
can be saved and there will be revival in that way. But as a whole, and that's why we need to continue to pray for the leadership of this country. But the leadership of this country, what we're doing, we're basically saying we don't want God. We don't want the Judeo-Christian God. We don't want Yahweh. We don't want the Messiah Jesus. What I see is they're saying we want everything but that. And the Bible is clear, just like Pharaoh. You want what you want? Well, I'm going to give you what you want. So I'm not saying give up, church. But what I'm saying is I truly believe the cat is out the bag. And that's why, again, who is in your sphere of influence? Your family can be protected. Your family can have the protection and the covering of Christ and the hand of God upon them and the hedge of protection around them. But for those who are choosing a wayward path, I mean, we were just talking about it. Daniel was just sharing, you know, just different numbers of of big corporations and how much money they're losing because of the stuff that they're engaged in. You know, Target, Bud Light, Adidas, all these companies, they're all in bed because they all they all they all have to agree because they make so much money. They got to keep the ball rolling and they got to agree with this certain agenda. I'm not trying to get political. I'm just saying this is what's going on. I mean, the writing's on the wall. If we don't see it, it's because we choose not to see it. So again, allow the scripture to give you the foundation so that you and I don't have to walk in that same way. The leaders of our country are making their own decisions, but you don't have to follow suit. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, no matter what they say in Washington, D.C. This is a chilling reminder Again, because we're experiencing this in real time in our own country. All right, let's go ahead and look at these verses again, 5 through 9. It says, if thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed. Would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? How Esau has been pillaged, his treasure Treasures sought out. All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Oh, that's so, that's so sad to hear that. You have no understanding. Will I not in that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau and your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Teman, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. That's a horrible, <laughs> that's a horrible statement <laughs> to have to receive, man. <laughs> been taken out by slaughter, like animals, slaughtered, destroyed. We look at this first statement and he, and he goes on to say, would they, would, would they not have stolen till they had enough? Now this may seem like something very minor or, or, or not a big deal. But this is a very powerful statement. You see, because Obadiah says that the judgment coming upon Edom will be far worse than what happens when robbers come and steal. Because, again, they usually stop when they have enough. They usually do. The judgment coming against Edom will be far more complete Again, it said everyone from the mountains of Esau will be cut off by slaughter. All of them. They weren't, he wasn't going to spare any of them, no matter who it was. Men, women, and children. They would eventually be completely destroyed. The application is this. Sin knows no end. 
Meaning it won't be satisfied with just one time or a little bit more. The old Rockefeller, he said, he was interviewed. And the interviewer asked him, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. He said that, but the unrepented sin in his heart didn't say just a little bit more because it's never enough. Sin is never satisfied. Sin is all consuming until sin ultimately destroys a person. Take, for instance, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20. Shiloh and Abaddon are never satisfied and never satisfied are the eyes of man. This example of a robber being somewhat of a lesser offender is also mentioned in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 29 down through 35. And it reads, So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself, for he will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse, though you multiply gifts. That's a great example right there uh, of a thief as opposed to someone who goes far beyond (laughs) the level uh, of thievery. Let's bring this to an understanding of how this how, how, how does this come about? Because again, many people struggle with, well, I understand what you're saying, but break down. Lord, show me how how this even happens in the first place so I can avoid it. Okay, well, James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 explains how people are tempted by their own evil desires. You see, that left unchecked, we are lured away and enticed, all of us, if left unchecked. But notice, you can check it. (laughs) You can keep it in check so it doesn't become unchecked. It's when we're unchecked with these lustful desires that everything spirals out of control. You see, unclean desires not dealt with give birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. But notice the progression. Because temptation, you have temptation, then evil desires, lured away sin, and then death. Any sin can be described in this way. You and I simply just fill in the blank. What do you struggle with? What are you tempted with? Apply this personally to your life and put that sin in there. For the Edomites, it was pride. You see, their pride went unchecked to the point of spiritual and physical death. But again, it is important to point out that at every single stage of temptation being fueled by evil desires, there is an opportunity to repent. There is an opportunity for it to be changed. To, 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 to turn clear, to steer clear of what's coming around the corner. Notice sin doesn't produce death until it is fully grown. We all know that we have sin. For if we say we have no sin, we are liars and the truth is not in us. Amen? Amen. So we know we sin. <laughs> but to go on and on and on and on means that we're not checking it. We're not getting right. 
And we're just talking about that in prayer. You know, whatever. See someone comes in your vision and we, we look wrongly upon them. Okay, well, okay, we did that. Then we get right with God. Say, Father God, forgive me. <laughs> Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. You know, uh, help me. The Bible talks about it. Keep your eyes in your skull. <laughs> Lord, help me to keep my eyes in my skull so I can see correctly. But we repent and get right and we keep it moving. But it's those who, who just continue on in that wayward lifestyle. It's those that the word is speaking to specifically about this. You see, if the Edomites were wise, they would have responded to conviction and repented before their sins became full blown. Remember, 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 a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It don't take a lot. But that little leaven unchecked, man, it, it make, blows up the whole dough, the whole loaf is overblown. And in your heart and in my heart, a little bit. So praise God when, when he sh shows you and points out, hey man, that's not right. <laughs> Get right. That attitude's not right. Change that attitude. You know, or uh, we can't do it in and of ourselves, but ask him, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Make me right before my wife. Make me right before my children. Make me right before, you know, my coworkers, my, my rest, my extended family you know, the people I see on the street, and then he'll do it. Again, this is why we must pray. This is why you and I must pray that the Lord draws closer to himself. Because you and I can't even come closer to the Lord unless he draws us. So that's something we should pray. Lord, draw me to you. Draw me to you. Like the Shulamite woman <laughs> She, 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 she asked, draw me to you. Bring me into your quarters. May I go into that, that, that private place with you? That's what we want. We want that, we want that unique private place with the Lord, that, that unique, intimate bond, that relationship that's beyond what we can sense and smell and taste and hear, but something that's supernatural. That's what you and I should desire more and more. And I'm talking about I love you more and more and every day. That's what that means. Is that we're drawn, we're drawn into him more and more every day as we live. Even though we can't come to him unless he draws us, this is the great thing. John chapter 12, verse 32 says, And I, speaking of Christ, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Amen. The context of this verse is explaining the way Jesus would die. He was crucified, hence he was being lifted up upon a cross, being the final sacrifice for the sins of the world, drawing all people groups to himself to receive salvation. And since Christ has been lifted up, all people now have the opportunity to respond to that conviction, repent and be saved. But this is the kicker. The question is whether or not we find it important enough to actually repent. It's not enough to just know. It's not enough to know that you're not in right standing with God. You got to do your part. It's what I'm trying to explain to my children day in and day out. And I get it, they're young. And, and I don't believe I'm hard on them. I believe I, I care enough about them to tell them, to teach them, look, man, wake up. 
See what's going on. You got to do it. I can't live your faith for you. You have to decide in your own heart that you are sick and tired of this and you want something different. God can't forgive you if you don't seek his forgiveness. If you seek it, he is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness and forgive you of all your sins. But you got to be led to do it by your own will. We have a strong will. Many times our strong will is pointed in the wrong direction at the wrong things. We need to turn that will toward the things that are actually worth something, which are the things of Christ. You see, because of their unrepented hearts, Edom would be utterly judged and destroyed. This judgment was directly from God and far greater than the judgment of men. Next we see men at peace. The men at, the men at peace who are with you, they shall deceive you. When God brings judgment, judgment upon Edom, they will know the sting of treachery against them. It's a horrible thing. Have you ever been, have you ever been cheated? Have you ever been uh, somebody you trusted and they backstabbed you? It's a horrible feeling. You're like, man, I've entrusted you and you did this to me. You know, right? Trust is something that, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's earned. It's kind of not, not outright just giving. Uh, we do give it, but we kind of keep it on a short leash because we want to make sure oh, this person good. Is this person going to do me right? And then when you're comfortable with someone, you kind of let your hair down. And then you're, 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 you're willing to divulge all and, and, and kind of share, you know, the, the, the intimate things of who you are with someone. And when they backstab you, it's a horrible thing. But this is what's going on with Edom in this moment. You see, the, the alliances that they once trusted would come to nothing. And they would be double-crossed by their former friends. There's a, there's a saying, honor amongst thieves. <laughs> honor amongst thieves. That honor that Edom thought they had with the surrounding allies and nations turned foul quick. In moments, they noticed that trust was gone and that they were attacked by those who they thought they had peace with. I mean, this is, just look at our, our current climate of the world today <laughs> all the nations of the world are, are trying to form allies and nation with nation oh we're, we're good here we're good here but you know how fickle we are as people and how quick these uh, alliances will turn on one another and devour one another like rabid dogs when the opportunity is right because there's nothing new under the sun as according to the word of god you see the edomites were proud of their political alliances but God would break their pride and bring them low. The application is this. Anything, anything gained by dishonorable means will eventually rot away. If it wasn't gotten with a good heart and it wasn't gotten by just hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, it's going to rot. <laughs> It's going to rot away. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 17 tells us, Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be full of gravel. It's not good. I mean, I feel like that when, when I shouldn't be eating certain things. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it tastes good for a minute. And then later on, I'm over here. I got a stomach ache. I don't feel good. I'm, I'm tired. I'm all messed up. Well, why? Because... I, I didn't make a wise choice. It wasn't right. 
that's a mild form of what this scripture is talking about. But, I mean, you could break it down in so many. It's applicable in every instance, pretty much. When we're doing the wrong thing with the wrong motive and we get what we think we want, we only enjoy it for a small season. And then the repercussions of doing things the wrong way are very long. <laughs> and the consequences suck. And we suffer. Dishonest gains stem from a dishonest heart. And a dishonest, and a dishonest heart is a product of sin. Their pride needed to be replaced with faith in the true and living God. Because Jesus Christ said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeit his soul? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? It's crazy. Like, I don't mean to go off on a side note, but this is just something that I observe. And I personally think it's a trip. When you see some of these people that are in the entertainment industry and they, they, they candidly share that they sold their soul to Satan so that they could have worldly success. It's like, what did you do? Why did you, why did you make a deal with Satan so you could be prosperous in the music industry? Like, was it that deep? But to them, it, 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 it is. But it's just so sad. And again, Jesus said, he said, what, what will a person give in exchange for their soul? So you would, you would take this? I like the Keith Green song that Daniel played the other night at the men's prayer group. Uh, talked about, you know, God made heaven in, or God, God made the earth in six days, but he's been working for thousands of years on heaven. You know, like that's amazing. You know, and I'm not, I'm not downplaying the beauty of this earth, but if it only took God six days to create this and what's in heaven for you, ear, ear has not heard, eye has not seen what glorious things await you and I in heaven. Why would you forfeit? Why would an individual give up their soul for this? It's fleeting. It's fleeting. The, the Edomites, this was the thing. They lacked the spiritual blessings of heaven. So again, do you see if you have discernment, if you have mercy, if you have grace, if you have conviction, if you have if you have the favor of God upon your life, if you have the anointing of God upon your life, those are blessings that come from heaven. Men cannot give you that. And this is why the Edomites did not understand and they were walking in darkness. They did not have spiritual blessings. What you and I should, should desire more than anything are the spiritual blessings that rain down from heaven. <laughs> For you to have discernment, just to have discernment is such a big deal. There's so many people that don't know right from wrong right now in our world. They don't. They just don't. And for you to have a sound mind and to know this is right and this is wrong, that's a beautiful thing. You should rejoice and praise God that you know the difference and that you can make a sound choice because so many people are so fickle and they're just going with what's going on because they don't want to offend. You got to get a backbone. It's okay, man. People are going to be offended. If you're, if you're not purposely trying to offend somebody and they get offended, hey, it is what it is. But we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be tucking tail and not willing to, to proclaim the name of Jesus in love because we're afraid of offending somebody. People should know you're a Christian and you should be okay with that. People that are not Christians should know. And you should have friends that are non-Christians that know that you're a Christian. 
It should be, it's okay because those are people we're supposed to be witnessing to so that they can get pulled out of hell and brought back into heaven eventually with the Lord. You see, many times we are seeking the blessings of the earth rather than heavenly blessings. There's nothing wrong with earthly blessings, but that should not be on the forefront of our minds and our hearts. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Seek he first. It's him. It's about seeking God the Father through Jesus Christ. It's seeking to be reconciled to him. It's seeking to have a right relationship with him. It's seeking to have a better understanding of who he is and what he wants from your life. And in that, you'll be given every single thing you need. And if he can trust you, he'll give you so much more. (laughs) All the stuff, you know, even the stuff you didn't even ask for, it's going to come to you because he knows he can trust you because you're seeking him first. You're not seeking him for stuff like he's some kind of magic genie. You can just rub the lamp and get what you want. Three wishes. No, we got a million blessings, prayers, not wishes. Don't be deceived, church. The most important things in life are the things that cannot be bought. That's what's important. That's what means something. It's not about all this tangible stuff that we can touch and see and taste. It's about the things. It's about the relationships that you have with people. It's the time that you spend with your family and your loved ones. That's what matters. That's what's of utmost importance. All the other stuff is just stuff. It's cool to enjoy, but we shouldn't be living for the stuff. So many people, they live for the stuff. I'm not living for no stinking car. I don't care, man. I don't even, I don't, I don't pray for money. I don't pray for none of that stuff. And the Lord always provides above and beyond what my family needs every time. But that's not, my, my prayers are, Lord, I need more love. I need more patience. I need more control. I need more wisdom. I need more discernment. God bless you. I need more favor. I need your anointing. It's all those things. I need you, really. I sought for so long. Lord, what's the vision? What's the vision? What's the vision? I don't know why I was stressed out over this whole thing about vision, thinking that am I not under shepherding this church right? Because we're not doing all these other things that all these other churches do. And the Lord showed me one night in the quiet of my room. He showed me that the vision is Jesus Christ. He calmed my nerves. He said, stop. Stop overcomplicating it, Keefing. Stop, stop stressing out on it. The, the, the vision is Christ. If the vision is Christ, you'll be fine. The people will be fine. I will draw all men to myself. I will build the church. I will grow people. Whoever he sees fit that he needs, that he wants. But he told me it's about Christ. May Christ be lifted up. Alone. This whole thing of, uh, of what's important. You know, my children... Like I was telling Daniel and Mark earlier, they, they, they love spending time with me. And I'm grateful for that. There's times where I'm annoyed by it. I'll be honest, you know. And the Lord has to check me. He's like, who cares about your dumb shoes? My daughter's always, you know, she's, she's always stepping on me. She's always, you know, I was like, dude, your daughter loves you, man. Your daughter wants to be close to you. She don't know no better. Care about your dumb Jordan shoes. Nobody cares about those shoes but you. Always trying to keep them clean. Two-year-old shoes, you're trying to make them look brand new. Stop. <laughs> but but he, he's daily having to teach me to, to, to appreciate the times of my children and my wife. And, you know, I, I do enjoy the moments we have. I enjoy 
teaching them daily the word of God. I cherish those moments. You know, we, we have time every night, you know, and, and we do our Bible study and we have a bunch of scripture that, you know, we memorize. And I know it's not about memorizing scripture, but I'm, I'm trying to implore them that faith comes by hearing the word. And if they, they hear the word over and over and over and over, then I'm just praying that that seed take root on good soil and that it would grow and that they would be able to withstand the evil day when it comes because they're going to need it when they become of an age where it's like, okay, now it's real. <laughs> no, no, it's no longer just we're running around the church building and, you know, whatever, messing around. It's like, no, it's real now. And there's real consequences for my actions. And I just pray that, that they would... They would do the right thing, but it's those moments. That's what's important. And it doesn't matter if your children are grown, adult age. It's those moments. Whatever time you and I have with those around us that we call our loved ones. And those that we haven't met yet or those that are just you know, associates. It's those moments, man. You may be the only Christ that some of these people see. And so when you have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus, share it with them. The Lord has shown me that this is my new approach when I witness to people. Now, what's your relationship with Christ? Do you know Jesus? I don't care if you come to Resilient Life Church. If you need a, a church home here, take this flyer. But now I'm not telling people come to church. I'm telling people, do you need Christ? You need Jesus. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if you need support along with that, come over here. But that's what the Lord showed me. Stop saying come to church. <laughs> like, they need Jesus, man. Church will be there. But tell them about Christ. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the fact that they need to be reconciled, being brought back into a right relationship. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's received well, sometimes it's not. But I've been convicted of that, that that's something that I need to personally say is to approach people about Jesus straight up. And, and, and you know, not the whole other thing. Not that church is bad. <laughs> Obviously, church is super important. But, you know, hey, the church is not this building. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. All right. He says that he's going to destroy the wise men of Edom and understanding and the men of understanding from the mountains. The Edomites were, again, were known for their great wisdom, but God would bring such great judgment that even their wise men would be destroyed. Again, because they were wise in their own estimation. We can all be wise in our own understanding, but that's, 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 that's demonic. That's what the Bible says. The wisdom of man is demonic and foolish. But, but true revelation and true wisdom comes from God. It comes from the revelation of, of, of God the Father through Jesus Christ. The Edomites were proud of their reputation for wisdom. But God would again break them down and their pride would bring them low. Once again, we must learn from their mistakes and understand that we desperately need to fully surrender all to Jesus. That's how everything works. That's how humility works. When we submit all all of us to him. That's how we are brought in a right place. In the Christian's life, there's no room for pride. The reality is you and I don't want the Lord God Almighty to resist us. Without that humility, we run the risk of pride taking over our thinking. Proverbs chapter 11 verses, verse 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. So again, you're going to gain supernatural wisdom just by humbling yourself and it may not come in a fashion where you're like super blown away by it but it's going to be something that's going to be imparted to you where you're going to be able to make right decisions all the time (laughs) 
You'll have, you'll, 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 have, you'll have it in you because you have the Holy Spirit. You'll have the ability to make the right decisions and to sidestep disaster many times. Because I know in my own life personally, I've only encountered disaster when I've done poor things, made a poor choices. Even if it wasn't a poor choice in the moment, but I made poor choices four months back. And this is a repercussion currently of that, those poor choices, that poor pattern of choices. And now I'm suffering the consequences in the present. But that's how it works. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5 says, Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. That's, a, that's, that's, that's horrible. <laughs> I don't want to be an abomination to God. But he says, if we're arrogant in heart, that's how God looks at us. He said, you're an abomination to me, man. A lot of people like to point out the whole same-sex thing and say that's an abomination. But he says right here, too, I mean, just having an arrogant heart, you could be as straight as an arrow. But if your heart's not right, you're an abomination to God. I mean, that's what the Word says. It's crazy. You see, Jesus is truly the only answer. We need to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow after him. Because true surrender to Jesus is obedience to him. We can't, we can't say we surrendered and we don't obey. And it's every little thing. I know we're not going to be perfect. I'm not, I'm not saying be perfect. And, and I don't believe God at all is putting parameters on us and, and being like, oh, no, it's not that. But it, it should be a natural progression of, man, my heart is, I want to I wanna obey God. And I'm bummed out when I don't obey. It shouldn't be like, wow, I actually obeyed God today. That should not be your lifestyle. You should not be surprised when you actually obey. You should be, you should be broken hearted when you find yourself not obeying. That's how you kind of know, man, I'm really connected to the Lord. But if you're like, man, I, wow, I got it, got it today. It's like, bro, all you did was say amen. Oh, man. I'll end with this. God created the heavens, right? The simple fact of God's creation is even more amazing when we consider the greatness of God's universe. For those of you who like to nerd out on these kind of facts, you're going to enjoy this. A typical galaxy contains billions of individual stars. Our galaxy alone, the Milky Way, contains 200 billion stars. Our galaxy is shaped like a giant spiral rotating in space with arms reaching out like a pinwheel. And our sun is one star on one arm of that pinwheel. (laughs) It would take 250 million years for the pinwheel to make one full rotation. But this is only our galaxy. And there are many other galaxies with many other shapes, including spirals, spherical clusters, and flat pancakes. What that is, I have no idea. Flat pancake? I don't know. That's what they call it. The average distance between one galaxy to another is about 20 million trillion miles. Our closest galaxy is the Andromeda galaxy, about 12 million trillion miles away. For every patch of Sky the size of the moon, if you could look very deep, you would see about a million galaxies. I share all that to say God made it all himself. Isaiah chapter 48 verse 13 says, My hand 
laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they will stand forth together. God is bigger and greater than all of his creation. And his ways are the best for our lives. May we remember this daily so that we can say no to pride and yes to humility. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you for the timely reminder that, that you draw near to the humble. But Lord, you, 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 you rebuke the prideful. Father, would you help us to learn to live a lifestyle of humility before you, before men, before women, before children. May we be those that are sensitive to the call on our lives, sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and that we would have a desire to want to honor you with our lives, to live a lifestyle of obedience, not just once, but living it day by day, moment by moment. Father, we thank you for this timely reminder that you will judge the proud, but Lord, you will exalt the humble. You give us eternal life, but we know if we, if we, if we sow to the to flesh, we're going to reap corruption. Father, we, we don't want to reap that. We want to reap the things of you. So Lord, please, do a mighty work in your heart. Have mercy on us, Father. May your grace abound more and more. May we boast only of the name of Jesus because he is the one who redeems. He is the one who saves. He is the one who makes right before you. We thank you for the righteousness given to us by your only son. So, Father, we thank you. We magnify your name. We magnify you and ask that you receive all honor and glory. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen.